I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality. That's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, August 31st, 2022, the 588th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and thank you to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. By doing so, you will be supporting me, supporting the work I do, and supporting this show as it expands. And I truly appreciate all of you who are doing that. It has allowed me to continue doing this. So back in April, I wrote an essay, a piece for the Substack called A Story About Reality. It was the seventh piece in a series discussing the Q phenomenon and the emergence of the at Q profile on Truth Social. And for those of you who are not familiar, the series is all still on the Substack, and I actually recorded a story about reality and published it on the podcast about a week and a half ago. So you can go back and listen to that if you want to get the full story. But in that series, I argued that the QAnon that the media constantly talks about is a boogeyman. It's a conspiracy theory that they have created themselves. Certainly Q posts are real and millions of people 
follow the Q posts and the research that has been spawned from the Q posts. And millions more people are affected by the information that comes out of the Q posts at secondary or tertiary levels or however many levels out you need to go. But a lot of what the public discussion these days contains is derived directly from those Q posts and the research that has surrounded them. So apart from whether or not anybody believes in Q or follows Q, which are identifications that don't matter at all, the information phenomenon absolutely exists and it has spawned a new way of acquiring information and disseminating that information. It makes use of open source intelligence, which is a real thing that intelligence organizations use. They find information from the world, stuff that's not classified, stuff you don't need an intelligence organization to go out and find, just open source information, and they put it together to figure out what it means. And so in this new information stream, the information that is derived from Q or from the truth community no matter what aspect people are looking at, whether it's getting to the bottom of political issues or historical issues or financial issues or health-related issues, all of that information gets pushed out and it gets disseminated and spread. And as it's spread, it's seen by people at a higher and higher level. Eventually, it will intersect with communities of experts like doctors or attorneys or military intelligence people or political advisors, people who can weigh in with some of their own personal experience and knowledge in the analysis of the information that comes across their various feeds, especially in the new social media environments like Telegram and Truth Social and Getter and Gab, etc. And at each level of that chain, the information is vetted for its accuracy and its validity and if it survives those vetting stages, it continues to be spread. Sometimes the experts themselves will spread that information and they don't even realize that it came from Q research or some link in that chain before it finally gets to them. And they don't have to. They might scoff at that information if they realize that it was somehow derived from Q. But we're kind of past that. Now the information just exists in a space and either it holds up in the marketplace of ideas and it gets spread wider or it doesn't and it stops in its tracks. And eventually, if the information becomes undeniable, it makes its way into the mainstream where it has to be handled by the propaganda state media and by the people who run the censorship regime. They have to figure out what to do with this information that wasn't supposed to exist inside the bubble, and now it does. And as this process has repeated over the last almost five years now that Q posts have been in existence, that information stream has begun to operate on its own outside of any influence of Q. The Q posts are no longer necessary to have that system functioning as it does. In fact, it's functioning better every day and more inconvenient stories are getting pushed into the mainstream narrative from the truth community. Whichever part of the truth community spawned the particular 
story, the particular information that goes down this certain line, it doesn't matter once it gets up to the top, once it gets pushed into the mainstream. Initially, the mainstream would cover Q posts and QAnon because they had to just make it one thing and they had to get all the craziest claims from anyone who intersects with that information. And they have to make that the symbol of what Q is and what the truth movement is. And then they have attached that to anything that conflicts with the mainstream narrative. And in that way, the QAnon label functions as a boogeyman. And they can attach it to almost anything. Trump is QAnon. QAnon is Trump. Trump supporters are QAnon. All of that is bad. Anything those people say or think is therefore bad because they are QAnon. Whether or not anything they say or believe has any reference to Q. And as time has gone on, the mainstream media, when they talk about QAnon, makes virtually no reference to the reality of Q at all. They just repeat the slogan, which is that QAnon believes that Democrats are part of some satanic cabal that eats children and blah, blah, blah. And that's what they always lead with because they don't want to describe the reality. The reality is that Q posts contain information about real world political events, and they ask people questions. They provide different ways of thinking about things. And people who analyze those posts think about those posts in all sorts of different ways and arrive at all sorts of different conclusions, just like real life. But the problem with those conclusions is that they always conflict with the mainstream media, the propaganda state media and the narrative, the central narrative that they're trying to convince everyone is true. And so that's a huge problem for them. But they found that talking about QAnon in the awful ways they talk about QAnon could actually be very effective for keeping a certain portion of the country scared of being tagged with the QAnon label, and as a result, being scared to look at anything or believe any idea that might risk them getting tagged with that label. They made entire fields of study things that should be ignored by respectable people. And that was the intention. Of course, that was the intention. It was the effect the effect benefits them, or so they think. And there's certainly no reason of substance why they would have to otherwise avoid this stuff. In an open information environment, in an information environment that wasn't controlled by the most powerful people and institutions and corporations in the world, it would just be information among other information. And if it was wrong or false or dangerous in some way, they could address the substance of the claims. They could make arguments about why it was false or dangerous or misleading. And if their arguments were successful, people would ignore the information. That's what we do. That's what we've always done. That's a normal way of proceeding in one's own life. But instead, we have replaced that with information from the authoritative source. And the authoritative source tells us what we must believe. And they place incentives and punishments around those beliefs. If you believe that the vaccines aren't very safe and effective, 
Well, you're a conspiracy theorist. You are a science denier. You are a vaccine denier. You are anti-vax. You are killing people's grandmothers. You're harming people's children. You're making it so that people can't get back to their normal lives. People can't stop wearing masks until everyone is vaccinated. Children can't stop wearing masks in school until they're vaccinated. And they never bothered talking about whether the vaccines actually were safe and effective or whether they happened to yield horrific health outcomes, which it turns out they do. But no one in respectable culture, and by that I mean the party of false decorum, no one was allowed to talk about it. You weren't allowed to discuss it because if you were, then you would get labeled all of those things. QAnon, vaccine denier, anti-vax, science denier, grandma killer. That's you. Just because you want to know whether or not the experimental gene therapy that they've been developing for nine months, but truthfully much longer. But for COVID, right? COVID just came out. How could they develop a vaccine for COVID in nine months? How is that possible? Well, they did it. And lo and behold, it's the greatest vaccine ever, except it's not a vaccine and it's not great. And now pretty much everybody admits that and is allowed to say it. But a year and a half ago, you couldn't because you would be one of those bad people. And so the boogeyman has worked very well. The Trump boogeyman has worked very well, too. Trump is angry. He's a grifter. He's a racist. He's a misogynist. He raped people. He cheats on his taxes. Everything is about his business. His business was always ripping people off. We've heard all the stories. And so if you say that you actually like Trump, well, then you can be blamed for all those bad things that Trump did. What kind of person would support another person who's racist? And the conversation about whether or not Trump's racist just fades into the background. The public agrees with the authoritative source that Trump is racist. Therefore, anyone who says anything nice about Trump supports a racist and is therefore racist themselves. They're white supremacists. And they created Trump's own boogeyman. And so if you were going to associate yourself with that boogeyman, well, then you have to exit the party of false decorum. You can no longer be in respectable society if you say you like Trump. Even many communists out there will understand if you don't like Joe Biden or you don't support the woke stuff or the critical race theory or the gender agenda or socialism or the Green New Deal, you can basically strip away the entire Democratic platform and they'll still accept it. Oh, he just has different ideas about some of these issues. He's just probably not informed about the science. But you can't say you like Trump because then you're one of the no-no people. And there certainly are communists who will not put up with any of it, right? They want total ideological commitment on every single issue. Those people definitely do exist. But all of the more normal communists and the Republican communists, all those people who imagine that they're in this very safe center where they've really thought through things and figured out that neither side is right, but we should probably side with the left just in case. Those people will allow you to disagree with pretty much anything as long as you don't talk about Trump and especially as long as you don't talk about QAnon, because those are the 
biggest boogeyman of all. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the mainstream media is doing something very clever right now that I want to point out. And they expect that this will be effective as an election strategy heading into the midterms. And I'm talking about all of media here. I'm going to play an MSNBC clip from Morning Joe, but it's not just Morning Joe. It's Fox, it's the Daily Wire, it's Ann Coulter. They're all saying the same things. They want Republicans to come back to the center. They want to leave that crazy conspiracy theory stuff aside. They want to leave that Donald Trump MAGA stuff aside. They just want you back into the center. And so how do they do that? Well, they're going to present a division and a unification at the same time. And you get to decide which side you're on. This is your chance to just declare who you are. They want it. They can't wait for it. Truth is, I can't wait for it either. Here's the clip. What's Donald Trump doing? He is circulating QAnon conspiracy yeah. theories on social media. QAnon conspiracy theories on the same day Joe Biden is saying, bring it in, Republicans. You all are being extremists. Come on. This is they're a turning point. Th this is this is a turning point. And all of those people that have been lying about the DOJ and FBI on this search, we're going to get to the news in a second. Um, that's going to change as well. I, it, it so Donald Trump, the president of the United States, is sharing QAnon conspiracy theories. Now, Donald Trump went on a barrage of truth posts yesterday, posted like something like 60 of them in the morning. And it was mostly just uh, reposts of other things. And it was very entertaining. Joe Scarborough mentioned all the lies that people were telling about the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. We'll get to some of that in a little bit. But the key right there was he said, this is on the same day that Joe Biden is out there telling Republicans, why don't you just bring it back in a little bit? Y'all are starting to turn a little extreme. Except that's not really what Joe Biden is doing. He called everybody, all of ultra MAGA, which means, by the way, anyone who supports Trump at this point in time. He called us semi-fascists. Didn't have the balls to go all the way and say fascists. So he said semi-fascists. Meanwhile, his administration is doing Every damn thing the Nazis did, including supporting actual Nazis in their Ukrainian war efforts while denying they're doing it. But he's not a fascist. We're the fascist. Once again, ooh, we're the fascists. That was last Thursday or Friday. On Monday, Karine Jean-Pierre said from the White House press briefing room, that the president stands by his statement. And then he went out yesterday and gave a speech to about 200 people gathered in a gym in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. That's like the sister city right next to Scranton. You know where Joe came from, his real hometown, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Good old Joe Biden, good old Scranton Joe, back where he met Corn Pop. He came back to a rousing rally of about 200 people for some police group where Joe Biden said 
that Democrats don't believe in defunding the police. They believe in funding the police. And of course, he's going to say that in front of a police group because he doesn't want anyone to remember that they all supported defunding the police. Well, he's speaking in front of a group because he can't draw actual supporters. He always speaks in front of a group because that's how the attendance is there. That group gets 10 or 50 or 100 people to come. And that seems like Joe has a real crowd, but he doesn't. He couldn't even fill a high school gym. Donald Trump is going to go there on Saturday and be speaking in front of 10,000 or 20,000 or 40,000 or 60,000 people. I don't know how big the venue is, but it's summer in Pennsylvania. Should be a pretty nice size outdoor event. I imagine we shall see. But Joe Biden wasn't asking for Republicans to return from the extremities that they have reached at this point in their conspiracy thinking and their big lie and all their violence and rage. And by the way, he did describe us that way yesterday. The movement is violent and angry. Ooh, all those Trump supporters just out there ready for violence at any moment. Sure, it's been 19 months since the very violent insurrection, and there's been absolutely no political violence from the right. But someday it's coming. They want to do it. They must want to do it. We keep saying it. So it must kind of be true. It's true to the child brains. They know they're not violent because they're scared of everything. So they can't be the violent ones, even though they supported BLM Antifa riots for an entire summer. But they're not the violent ones. It's us, even though there's no sign of our violence. And we say over and over again, hey, we don't want violence. We don't need that. We got this under control. But no. We're still the violent ones. Well, here's how Joe Biden solves that. You know, while he's asking Republicans to get back from all their extreme views. For those brave right wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe. If you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use. That's you. Now, there's no way that 81 million real legal American voters voted for Joe Biden, but he probably got 30 or 40 or 50 million of them, too. People in this country voted for that. And they're not even embarrassed yet. Well, most of them are, but some of them still aren't, which is madness. But anyway, Joe Biden in a rant about how the Second Amendment can have its restrictions and how it's dangerous to have guns in the hands of these violent and angry people, Joe Biden essentially threatened his political opposition with F-15s. The idea being that if the government wanted to take over the country with its military, it could certainly do so. Joe Biden feels very confident in asserting that the military under, quote unquote, his command could do whatever it needed to, to suppress any resistance from the people. By the way, it is the people's right to resist an illegitimate government with whatever means necessary. It's in our founding documents, but we're not at that stage and we don't want to be at that stage and we hope we never get to that stage. Regardless That's not Joe Biden going out 
with some gracious call to the other side to pull them back into the fold of Joe Biden's supposed centrism and reasonableness and moderation. That's not what that is at all. That's what the media narrative needs that to be, because that's the plan going into midterms. And what they are attempting to do is take all of those people who imagine themselves to be in the middle, the people who think that they're centrists and have never really considered any of their political opinions, people who are still mostly asleep or maybe people who are somewhat awake, but still trapped in at least little enclaves of the party of false decorum, maybe at work, maybe in their social circle, or maybe it's their whole life and everything they do. Maybe they are very committed to the party of false decorum. That's where their money is. That's where their friends are. That's where their whole life is. They can't imagine ever living without it. What they're trying to do to people is an extension of the psychological operation they've performed on QAnon. They're trying to attach these people to the boogeyman, whether it's Trump or QAnon or whatever, white supremacists, extremists, the ultra MAGA right, the extreme right wing. It's a threat to all those people in the center. They say we are going to label you fascists for believing what you believe. You don't want drag queen story hour at your school. Oh, you're one of the fascists. You don't want the 1619 Project taught to children a completely fake history of race relations in America? Well, then you're a fascist. You don't want to have open borders and enable all of the human trafficking and the drug trafficking and the child sex trafficking. You don't want that? Well, you're a fascist. You don't want to send billions and billions of dollars every month to Ukrainian Nazis to wage a war over a border that's not ours and not theirs, and you're a fascist. And so the very same people at the very same time are telling the very same audience two things. They're saying, hey, we are really trying to welcome you back here to the center where we will accept you and we'll reward you We'll say that you're one of the good ones, just like we did with Liz Cheney. But if you don't do that, we're going to put the worst labels anyone has ever applied to anyone throughout history right on your head. We are going to brand you with our mark. You will be marked as the enemy and the whole of society will know you as the enemy. And the illegitimate president, the guy with his finger on the trigger for those F-15s, well, that's what's coming if you don't realize what's best for you and get back in the house. And that's really what it's like. This is an abusive relationship between the Democrat Communist Party and the culture they've produced and this segment of the population that can't seem to get itself outside of the central narrative, whether it's their attachment to television or the convenience of the the mainstream information stream. It's just easier to get information that way and make yourself feel like you know what's going on. You can't leave social media. You need the attention from Instagram and Twitter. You need the society you feel you've built there. 
all of those friends, all of the images you see every day. Oh, those are very important. You want to know what's going on in other people's lives. This is how I meet new people. This is how I flirt with girls. This is how I know what to buy. And I know what all the fashionable people are wearing. You just can't deal without it. Or you just don't want to feel left out of the conversation around the water cooler. Oh my gosh, you guys watched what show last night? I've never even heard of that show because I'm not on social media. Oh my God, my world is crumbling around me. This is what real people in our culture are dealing with. This is what they're thinking about. This is what they're worried about. How will I exist without these precious tools that humanity never needed until 10 years ago? How will I go on? So you stay right in the party of false decorum because you want Joe and Mika to stop saying mean things about you. And you are a little hesitant about actually saying that you support Donald Trump because you know that someone's going to say, oh, my God, he's a racist. How could you? And your whole world will fall apart because the last thing you want is for anyone to call you racist again. I mean, they do it. All the time, but not right to your face, not right to your face. You do believe the same things as the people they call racist. And you will tell the people they're calling racist that you agree with them. You just won't say it out loud around any of the people who might call you a racist. That's very brave. It's very wise. Got to look out for number one guy. But they're already calling you racist. They already have called you racist. And they keep expanding the definition of what racism is. No matter how much you appease them, they will always expand that definition enough to include you. And you're still playing along with their game as if it's fair or you could win. Or maybe you'll just hold on long enough till all of this passes and you'll just keep going right down the road. Just right into this great success that surely right in your future, if you just keep doing what the party of false decorum demands, because they always make it better on their party members, don't they? Well, yeah, I mean, it depends on how much you're willing to serve them, potentially. But they're starting to make it worse on their own party members, too. And that's why the ratings have dropped and dropped and dropped Joe Biden's approval. Every single policy, every politician around the country, while MAGA continues to rise. But you don't want to be insulted. You don't want to be rejected. And you certainly can't risk your position within the party of false decorum. So you just remain silent. It's easier over there. It is exactly like a domestic abuse situation. They keep beating you and beating you and beating you. And all you want is for them to stop beating you. So maybe you don't come around as much. Maybe you're quieter. You try to be on your best behavior. You'll wear the mask when they tell you to. You might think about getting the vaccine when they tell you to, or you won't get the vaccine, but you'll tell people you did. And maybe you'll get a fake card and then everybody will leave you alone. You just don't want another beating. And then they tell you, hey, you know what? You've been really behaving well. Not always, not always, but I haven't been beating you as much lately because I, you know, I don't want to be that person. It's just that you make me be that person with the way you behave when you act out. And I don't want that. I don't want it for either of us. I don't like doing this. You're forcing me to do it. But the thing is, you know, we have this really important moment coming up and 
if you behave properly for this, I promise I will never beat you again. And rather than remembering all the times that you have been beaten, you say, oh, that's the deal I've been waiting for. I was always waiting for that one moment when you would finally promise that you would never beat me again. That's all I've ever wanted is to just never be beaten again. I'm going to believe you this time. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to do whatever you say. Thank goodness you are never going to beat me again. But you know, you're going to get beaten again. This is what the false reality is. It's a system of incentives and punishments based on your behavior. And Joe and Mika are trying to tie you into that system. This is how child brains interact with child brains. When you're a child, you're like, oh, I want to be a good boy. I don't want to be a bad boy. If I'm a good boy, then Santa will bring me a bunch of gifts. Well, if I'm a bad boy, then I might get a lump of coal in my stocking. And I guess it turns out that in Europe, a lump of coal could actually be an amazing Christmas gift because they don't have any energy resources anymore. Green New Deal, you know, but recognize what they're trying to do. They are trying to turn weak MAGA and all of the people still sleeping in the middle who know their lives have gotten measurably worse as a result of this fake administration being in whatever degree of power they're in. And they're trying to make it completely toxic for these people to vote in their own best interests. They are trying to make voting for the other side, the people who might end the suffering that this illegitimate administration is causing. That's got to be toxic to the point where you can't even be part of normal society if you support it. They're doing it on both sides. They are telling you they're trying to bring Republicans back in, and they're also trying to make all Republicans, all Trump-supporting Republicans, fascists and racists and the most evil people ever, a threat to our democracy, people who are ready to begin a civil war, where as an act of revenge, roving bands of Trump supporters all armed to the teeth will be just taking over neighborhoods and killing all the communists. That's not going to happen. That's what they want to happen. Even Lindsey Graham wants that to happen. Listen to this. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets. Why would Lindsey Graham, the staunch conservative, the very committed Republican who is sometimes a supporter of Donald Trump, why would he hint that Republicans are going to be rioting in the streets if Trump is indicted. That's not true. We know that Trump's indictment is nonsense because the entire thing is nonsense. And it's always been nonsense. It's been seven years of nonsense. We're going to do the same thing we did when Mar-a-Lago was raided. We're going to laugh. We're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to expose all of the lies surrounding it. And we're going to make it hit them right back in the face. That's what's going to happen if Trump is indicted. 
But Lindsey Graham wants riots in the streets. He's trying to increase the drama while sounding like he's on our side. He doesn't want anyone to associate with those bad things. Ooh, you better stop now or Republicans are going to get really mad and then they're going to go do all those things that they get accused of, even though they don't ever do them. And you need to see this as all a part of the same thing. They're going to tie you to the worst thing. They're going to pretend to reward you if you come back with them because they need you. They don't have enough Democrats to win elections. They need all those people in the center who have no interest whatsoever in voting for Democrats, but they're not going to handle the social consequences of ever tying themselves to that other thing because it's so scary. And who does all of this benefit? It benefits the same people who always benefit. It benefits the people who stole the election, the people responsible for lockdowns and masks and vaccine mandates, the people who have lied for over a year and a half about everything related to January 6th. It benefits those people. And that's exactly what they want. They are going to insult you and call you names and attempt to ruin your reputation sooner or later, no matter what. And what's the threat of the common abuser? You can't leave me. You'll never make it on your own. You'll never have a good life. I'm everything to you. And that's what they're saying. But that threat is meaningless. It's nothing. It is a lie, which is why they need the threat. You don't need them. If your job has spent the last two and a half years oppressing you and silencing you, how good is your job? You can survive without that job. You can get another job. You're worried that your friends will turn on you. Well, they've already been silencing you. They don't want to know what you really believe. So they're not your friends. There is actually more life out there once you leave the abuse of the system you continue to participate in. And by now you should realize that the abuse is not going to stop. You have to leave. And it'll be harder for a little bit. That first week or two or three or four might be really tough. But you're going to figure it out and you're going to move on. And you will be so much happier once that weight has been lifted from your shoulders. So let's get into a little of the, uh, the Mar-a-Lago raid stuff. Because the Department of Justice last night responded to Trump's request for a special master. And in their response, they included a picture of a floor at Mar-a-Lago with a box of files and a Time magazine in front of it, and then some files strewn across the floor, some labeled with TSSCI, Top Secret, Sensitive Compartmented Information, or Classified. And the mainstream media, the Blue Anons on Twitter, are going crazy for this. They are so excited because they think that they have finally gotten Trump. And... Pepe Lives Matter on Telegram put together a few of the tweets that blue check Twitter personalities and organizations are putting out about this one from the Midas Touch account. The DOJ's filing is simply damning. Donald Trump's motion backfired. He is in way over his head. Not only is Trump virtually guaranteed to face charges, but his attorneys are facing serious prison time. 
this house of cards is collapsing right before our eyes. Okay, Kami. Matt McDermott, some guy with a check mark, who I guess must be important on Twitter, said lately Republicans have wanted to talk about fairness. So let's talk about fairness. If this was found in your house, you'd be under arrest facing prison time right now. Why is Donald Trump not being charged? Well, hey, Matt, that's because all of those have been declassified. So it doesn't matter what they're labeled with. They are declassified. Donald Trump had the power to do that and did it. And then he had the right under law to keep those materials. So that is why he's not being charged. If I had top secret information in my house, I would be charged. I suppose unless that material had been declassified, which takes away its classification. The Palmer report said DOJ releases photos of highly classified documents it seized from Trump's home, which were mixed in with framed Time magazine covers. DOJ just proved Trump guilty of narcissism and espionage at the same time. Lock him up. John Cooper said Trump is in full panic mode. It's great to watch him implode in real time. Except, no, he's not. Asha Rangappa, the very serious woman of color reporter, wrote, The Time magazine cover, along with Trump's other personal items commingled with the classified, demonstrates that he was personally handling them. Thanks for highlighting key evidence of his guilt. Well, actually, that doesn't demonstrate that. That demonstrates the FBI handled them. Trump didn't pack those boxes. Trump didn't move those boxes. The FBI didn't find them like that on the floor, which we know from the receipt of the seized materials. So that picture doesn't prove what she's saying at all. That picture doesn't prove what any of them are saying, and they're all being super dramatic about it. Are they doing it for the retweets? Maybe that would be the only way I'd be like, all right, guys, I guess smart move. I mean, terrible long-term strategy to be big on Twitter. Who cares? But I don't live in a false reality where that sort of thing matters more than anything else in the world. And Mike Davis from the Article 3 Project. Mike Davis is an attorney. Article 3 Project is his thing. It's all about the judiciary and the justice system. He has shepherded the Supreme Court nominations of Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch, and I believe Amy Coney Barrett. He said this on Truth Social in a series of eight posts. Biden DOJ has a fundamental misunderstanding of the law. The president has the power to declassify records and take personal copies when he leaves office. Commander in chief clause Trump's Espionage Act. Presidential Records Act Trump's general statutes on government property. Congress expects former presidents to have classified and other presidential records. And that's totally normal. Presidents prior to Trump have done the exact same thing. Presidential Records Act doesn't differentiate between classified and unclassified. They get federally funded staff, security clearances, secure offices, SCIFs, and Secret Service protection. 
And of course, Donald Trump had all of that. The law treats presidents differently than anyone else, period. Guess who wasn't and never will be president? Hillary Clinton. So why wasn't she charged with espionage, destruction of government property, and obstruction after she destroyed her illegal home server and phones? Publicly, the Biden Justice Department pretend their unprecedented, unnecessary, and unlawful home raid on President Trump was to get back classified records and government property. He declassified them. He kept a personal copy. They were guarded by the Secret Service. If Trump's records were in such danger of getting into the wrong hands, why did Biden wait 18 months to get them? Why did Garland deliberate four weeks before ordering the raid? Why did he wait three days to execute the warrant after judge shopping and obtaining warrant from clearly biased judge? And that's exactly what Judge Bruce Reinhardt was. He had tweets going back years about how dangerous and bad Donald Trump was. He actually had to recuse himself from the Trump versus Clinton Rico case back in June. He is obviously conflicted and should have been recused immediately. He should have recused himself. But no, he was the judge that they needed to use because they couldn't get other judges to do it. That's what Davis means by judge shopping. Why has Biden administration been leaking and lying, including illegally from grand jury throughout this case? One, Garland didn't approve the raid. Lie. Two, Trump had nuclear documents. Lie. Again, there is nothing of Q-level security clearance anywhere in there. Not on the receipt and certainly not in the picture that the DOJ just put out. And by the way, if all of that stuff was still top secret, and sensitive compartmented information, they shouldn't be releasing pictures of it online. It's not at that status anymore because Trump declassified it. Three, Biden wasn't involved in raid? Lie. Four, redact, then selectively leak affidavit. The Biden raid on Trump was unprecedented, unnecessary, and unlawful. It was a political hit. Trump had his personal copy of the declassified crossfire hurricane and Russian collusion records. These are evidence of crimes committed by the Clintons, the Obamas, the Bidens, the DOJ, the FBI, the CIA, etc. All of the Russiagate stuff, all of the spying stuff, all of that. That's what's contained in these records. Trump declassified them. They were supposed to be released to the American public, but the DOJ wanted to redact more things. Trump did it on the second to last day of his first term, and they never saw the light of day. The DOJ hid them all. So Trump had his own copies down at Mar-a-Lago, and now the DOJ and the illegitimate administration have gone down to seize all that information so they can take Trump's copies as well. Not a very smart plan, but we're not dealing with very smart people. We're dealing with very desperate communists. Davis says of the documents, they are very damning for Obama, Biden, Hillary, Susan Rice, James Clapper, FBI, Intel, etc. 
Biden DOJ judge shopped for weeks for biased magistrate judge Bruce Reinhardt, who just recused from Trump's lawsuit against Hillary on June 22nd. They redacted everything they could in the affidavit to cover their tracks. Now they oppose a special master, an independent check. This is a cover up. Mike Davis isn't a conspiracy theorist. This isn't QAnon. But think back to the morning Joe clip and Joe Scarborough was using that label to tag everyone in MAGA and mentions right in the middle of it all the lies about the Mar-a-Lago raid. And of course, he's referring to stuff like this, stuff that conflicts with the central narrative, the story they're trying to tell about Trump's definite guilt. They've got him this time. And I don't know, they might indict Trump. They might try to arrest Trump. These are things that are still possible, but they won't be any more legitimate than any of this stuff. There is no underlying crime. Trump can't obstruct an investigation when there's no underlying crime. And we've gotten false story after false story about every little bit of this. In addition to the lies that Mike Davis mentioned, again, the Washington Post ran an article that tried to make it seem like Trump has nuclear documents or nuclear codes in these classified files. That's what the FBI had to go raid Mar-a-Lago for after waiting three days from the warrant being signed and Merrick Garland taking weeks to decide whether it was the right thing to do and Joe Biden waiting 18 months to go down there and get it. Nuclear codes. That's what we were told by a mainstream legacy prestige media outlet, the Washington Post. But none of that is there. Where is it? Why isn't it there? How could they have gotten something like that wrong? Well, they get things like that wrong all the time. In fact, that's basically all they do. They create a false reality out of all this stuff so that they can freak out all those people who imagine themselves to be very reasonable centrists. They understand that the country's going really bad, but oh, that Trump, we got to do something about that Trump. We're just going to have to keep siding with these communists as they destroy the country, at least until the other side gets rid of Trump. They just keep saying how bad Trump is, and I keep believing it, even though the country is falling apart under the guy that's not Trump. Makes sense in a false reality. But because it doesn't actually make sense, you should look underneath the surface. What are these people really trying to protect? What is it they're trying to do by continuing along with this story? No one could actually believe it on a rational basis if you bothered to inform yourself about both sides of the story, but you can't inform yourself about the other side because then you might become a QAnon. You might become a semi-fascist. You might become a conspiracy theorist, which now just means you're saying true things that they don't like. So you ignore it and you think, oh, it's probably not that big a deal unless they arrest Trump, which means then it's all real. But that's kind of not how that works, you know? And even some of the mainstream press is beginning to walk back this ever unfolding disaster that they themselves have created. This is Politico today. Garland's perilous path to prosecuting Trump by Josh Gerstein. Attorney General Merrick Garland has a mantra when it comes to politically charged investigations. We will follow the facts and the law wherever they lead. Oh, what a mantra. 
Did he get that from a Dick Tracy comic book that he read as a small little Garland? But Garland's mantra won't get him the answers he wants in the gargantuan decision of whether to prosecute former President Donald Trump over the trove of government documents, many of them marked as highly classified, that he took to Mar-a-Lago on his way out of the White House. Political fallout, precedent, and national security risk are just some of the intangibles Garland will have to consider as he considers what would be potentially the highest profile criminal case in American history, according to former prosecutors, intelligence agency lawyers, and Justice Department officials. What does that mean? The highest profile criminal case in American history? Okay, yeah, I guess criminally prosecuting a president would be the highest profile criminal prosecution, depending on what your standards of high profile are. I mean, the OJ trial was kind of big, but yeah, I'll give you that one. The president would be, but why do you need to say that that opinion on something that doesn't really matter is according to former prosecutors, intelligence agency lawyers, and Justice Department officials. You had to phone a friend for that answer? Oh, you're just making it seem more important by including the weigh-in from the experts. I got you, Josh. One consideration for Garland is how Trump's alleged actions stack up against other cases DOJ has brought or not brought over mishandling classified information. Are they talking about Hillary Clinton? Why don't they mention her by name? Are they talking about Barack Obama? No, they would never talk about Barack Obama that way. Barack Obama is so nice and so harmless. He's just like one of us. He's like our cool friend. I wonder what's on his playlist right now. A second factor is how confident prosecutors are they could win at trial. Knowing the political fallout of a losing case against a former president could be devastating. Now, that is an actual concern in the real world where any of this happens, potentially, right? But here's how it's not a real concern. If they were to indict Trump and try Trump, they think that they would be doing that with their regime still in place. But there's no indication that their regime still will be in place except for the presence and possibility of election fraud. So you always have to look at it from both directions. Now, if they were going to prosecute Donald Trump, it certainly wouldn't happen before the midterms. So they are trying to make the political calculation about whether or not indicting and attempting to prosecute Donald Trump will actually just make their election fraud win easier or harder. That's what's at play here on this decision, not any underlying crimes, of course, because there are none. So, yes, losing a case against the former president, which could very well happen if Republicans take back control of the House and Senate and begin launching their own investigations and actually holding people accountable for things that could be devastating. But the thing is, Republicans doing that already has the devastating consequences for all of these people. So there's no actual downside under their scenario. Either they win through election fraud and these problems are gone or they lose without successfully stealing the election 
And these problems exist either way. So the scenario he's posing makes sense in a potential reality, sort of, but not in one that we will actually see. So what effect does this sort of statement have? It makes the whole thing sound much more serious. Garland and everyone at the DOJ and in the illegitimate administration will be extra responsible about this decision because they understand how devastating it could be to lose that sort of case in the public spotlight. And what would that make you think if you had a child's brain rattling around in your normal sized skull? You would think, oh, so if they prosecute, that must mean they really have something and they're guaranteed to win because it would be devastating otherwise. Well, yes, it is devastating in a certain scenario that only exists within the false reality, just not a scenario that exists within actual reality because that scenario could never come to pass. And finally, Garland has to consider the damage that a trial might have on national security secrets, given the nature of the Mar-a-Lago document seizures. Now, they don't know anything about the nature of those seizures unless they know that it's Crossfire Hurricane and Russiagate Clinton stuff. If they know about that, well, then it does have national security implications, but not in the way they're projecting it to their readers. This is not a uh, national security situation where our nuclear codes might have gotten out, but that's what they're playing on. When they say national security situation, Everyone is supposed to imagine that if this bad thing happens, then we're going to get attacked and we're all going to be destroyed by missiles. But that is utterly absurd. The national security situation comes into play because of all the foreign powers and foreign intelligence agencies that are swept up in the Russiagate hoax and in Crossfire Hurricane and in all that stuff that the Clintons and Obamas and the Justice Department and FBI and the intel agencies were actually doing. So all of their co-conspirators around the world would actually be at risk in their positions if this information came out. Those are the national security risks they're actually referring to. Of course, one unknown ultimately looms large over all the other machinations does Garland view Trump's cavalier and even defiant approach to the national security secrets at Mar-a-Lago as something of sufficient magnitude to bring the first criminal case against a former president in U.S. history? And again, they restate the claim about how very important these documents are, the high-level national security secrets that he has among information that he declassified. And what about the defiant approach? All he's in defiance of is the central narrative. He didn't defy the Justice Department or the FBI in their investigations at any point. He has been working with them. His lawyers have been working with them. The Secret Service has been helping. That's not a defiant approach. That is doing what you're supposed to do and probably even going above and beyond by not challenging it. They're going to have to be satisfied that they're going to have a very, very strong case to present to a grand jury and ultimately to a jury, said former CIA general counsel Jeffrey Smith. 
If the prosecutors can get over all those hurdles, given that it's a former president, it will be a tough call for the attorney general. Oh, what insight. Thank goodness we called an expert for that. Here's another view from the experts. It seems to me it's moving in the direction of warranting criminal charges, said David Lofman, former chief of the counter espionage section at the Justice Department's National Security Division. I think Trump has significant criminal exposure, whether they ultimately decide to exercise prosecutorial discretion in favor of prosecuting him is another question. Oh, thank you, expert. So Trump is actually guilty either way. And it's just a matter of whether or not Merrick Garland wants to drag the country through it. I get it. That makes so much more sense now. Gosh, if I could only just always consult an expert and then believe whatever they said. The Espionage Act, the key federal law governing classified information and one of the statutes used to get the search warrant the FBI carried out at Mar-a-Lago earlier this month is exceedingly broad. As a result, prosecutors have developed a series of so-called plus factors that don't appear in the statute itself, but inform decisions about whether to file criminal charges. Oh, a new slogan for the child brains. Now we can go out and have a day long discussion about plus factors. Oh, you see, dumb MAGA person, you haven't considered the plus factors. <laughs> that argument is really going to be made by communists who watch Rachel Maddow this weekend. They'll be like, yeah, but there's a bunch of plus factors that you haven't considered yet. Oh, really? Like what, commie? Describe to me what all these plus factors are. According to former prosecutors, the plus factors include whether a suspect had nefarious intent in gathering or keeping the information. Oh, that's a plus factor. And we definitely know that Trump had nefarious intent. There is no doubt about that ever. Always nefarious intent from Trump. Whether they had clear knowledge of the materials they had and their gravity. Oh, Trump knew. Trump knew. His nefarious intent is part of him knowing the volume of material taken, and whether they lied to investigators. Well, we know that Trump lies about everything. Sam Harris told us that. He lies as freely as he breathes. While he's unfortunately still breathing. And the volume of material taken. Oh, he had 15 boxes. Could there ever be more volume than that? And you're right, Kami, probably not. There's no way Hillary Clinton's server could have possibly contained more than 15 boxes worth of material. And there's definitely no way that the 30 million documents Obama took with him contained more than 15 boxes. You can easily fit 30 million documents into 15 boxes. And I'm surprised that Trump doesn't have 31 million documents in his boxes. He probably built extra big boxes just so everybody knows he doesn't have a small penis like we definitely know he does. Trump likes everything big. He probably put gold letters on it that say Trump. Basic violations of the rules surrounding classified information are routine. Classified documents are left out overnight. Whoops. A safe for storing secret records isn't locked. Whoops. A briefcase with sensitive information is left behind in a hotel or a restaurant. Whoops. An email containing classified information is sent on an unclassified system. Whoops. 
doing that is probably just about the same as accidentally leaving your briefcase at the hotel. But thank goodness no one has ever done that except for Hillary Clinton, who did that as a practice. And they don't care about that. An email containing classified information is sent on an unclassified system. How about tons of classified and top secret information on a totally unlicensed, illegal, unregistered server that she kept in secret and then destroyed even though it was under subpoena? Is that a problem? Nope. That's just a little whoopsie, just like the other ones. Violations just happen. Most such violations result in a warning. The more serious ones can result in having one security clearance suspended or even revoked. Only in the most egregious cases is prosecution even contemplated, even though many such violations might technically violate the law. You got it? So only the most serious cases are even considered for prosecution. And because they're considering this case for prosecution, that must mean that it's one of the most serious. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton's illegal server and Barack Obama's 30 million documents that he never returned are just little whoopsies. A lot of these cases, these matters are resolved primarily administratively, Loftman said. Among the aggregating factors are any obstruction of justice, particularly any effort to lie or conceal about what took place. And there you have it. The plus factors again. Donald Trump is different because he was lying and concealing even while he was working with those attorneys and the Justice Department and giving them whatever access they needed, as has been recorded. And I'm going to jump down a few sections in the interest of time. You can certainly find this article on the information stream t.me slash I'm your moderator, or you can just listen to me read the headline and put that in your little search engine. Works perfectly every time. The risks of trial. Another consideration, whether charging Trump could compound the danger of whatever secrets he had at Mar-a-Lago leaking out before or during the trial. And you wouldn't want those to come out. That is the biggest risk of all. Those documents being made public. That's why the DOJ has sat on their own copies for the last 19 months instead of releasing them. Instead of providing those documents, their appropriate redactions and releasing them. They have just held them for 19 months. It was supposed to happen right away at the end of Trump's term, but 19 months later, still nothing. It would be so dangerous if those documents came out. Loffman said prosecutors would likely try to mitigate that risk by charging only over a limited set of documents and sometimes leaving out those that pose the most ongoing risk to national security. So they're going to make sure that all the really bad documents don't get out. Only the ones that they need to prosecute Trump. Only the ones they're comfortable with showing to the public as part of their prosecution. The government has to choose what documents will be used as evidence. And that selection process is a thing unto itself, Loffman said. They'll try, ultimately, if they make this decision to choose documents as intrinsically palpably sensitive to any juror who's confronted with them without presenting undue harm. Okay, so what I just said, except in idiot speak. 
I mean experts speak. Lofman and Smith both pointed to safeguards that can be used to try to limit the disclosure of the classified information during any trial, including having some evidence that isn't seen by the public or read aloud in court. So they want to reclassify the declassified documents when they go to trial. The documents themselves are declassified, but they're going to have to figure out a way to keep those documents under wraps, even in open court, despite them being declassified. That's the problem they're dealing with right here. How do we figure out a way legally to tie all this up so the public can never have access to these documents? That's what's going on. Prosecutors can get permission to show classified information to jurors, but a report on the Hillary Clinton email probe says investigators opted against taking some witnesses to a grand jury because of a desire not to share the secrets involved more widely. Oh, so the information would be very, very bad if it got out. It could be mishandled. It could fall into the wrong hands. Except Hillary Clinton wasn't president and didn't declassify those documents. They actually still had their classified and top secret and confidential designations. And she had them on an outside secret server that was actually open to be accessed by foreign actors. But even after that, the very reputable Department of Justice was able to keep all of it under wraps because they knew that it would compromise national security or Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama's security. And that's national security to you, plebeian. The prosecution of Trump could also raise unique issues because as president, he had power to declassify almost any information. He and his allies have claimed he did so either verbally or by implication through his practice of bringing some records to the White House residents, although no concrete evidence of such an arrangement has emerged. You got that? So you can't believe Trump. You can't believe everybody else around Trump. And you can't give him the benefit of the doubt based on his ability to declassify all of it himself. You got to ignore all of that until you get concrete evidence that he did all of that. This is just like election fraud. It doesn't matter how much concrete evidence you have. It matters when they decide the evidence is finally concrete. And until that point, you're going to assume the absolute opposite of where all of that concrete evidence leads because it's just not enough yet. It was all declassified, Trump asserted earlier this month. And that apparently must be just a new big lie. It's unclear how big an obstacle prosecutors will consider Trump's claims, but some legal observers aren't impressed. Oh, that's so important. It's hogwash, Smith said. You have nothing beyond the president deciding it was his. It has all the earmarks of a post-action justification. Or it just has earmarks of Trump doing what he said he did. But you can't allow that. Not when you're an expert, not when you're a former general counsel for the CIA who must know exactly everything that's going on and definitely not have any conflicts of interest or political axes to grind or any other corruption or compromise or reason to lie. He's just an expert. Prosecutors appear to agree. 
noting in their Tuesday night filing that during the back and forth about the documents, Trump's lawyers never said anything about declassification. And surely they had to. And surely Merrick Garland's DOJ must be describing the situation in full and not just to whatever serves their own advantage. While Trump's allies are already pressing Garland to forego any prosecution, going easy in any publicized classified information case can have real consequences down the road. The relatively light charge and punishment, Petraeus, this is David Petraeus, that they described earlier in the article, the part I skipped, received has been cited by defendants in numerous classified information cases since as grounds for leniency or evidence of a double standard for high-ranking officials. Use of the presidential pardon power has also fueled that perception. In 2001, President Bill Clinton pardoned former CIA director John Deutsch as he was on the verge of pleading guilty to a misdemeanor for keeping top secret code word information on computers at his homes in Maryland and Massachusetts. You see that because Bill Clinton pardoned him and it was only on the verge of pleading guilty to a misdemeanor that sounds like just one of those whoopsies. You know, it sounds like just what Hillary Clinton did. She kept top secret information on her personal computing devices, her personal server. Oh, it's just a misdemeanor. And this guy was only on the verge of pleading guilty. So it wasn't even a real pardon. It wasn't Clinton trying to cover something up. And he would never do that. No Clinton would ever do that. Even ones who have top secret information on their own private servers. And in 2017, President Barack Obama pardoned one of his favorite military officers, General James Cartwright. And because he's Obama's favorite, he must be one of the best military officers ever. Who had pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI in an investigation of leaks of highly classified information about how the Iranian nuclear program was severely set back through a computer virus. Prosecutors wanted Cartwright sent to prison for two years, but Barack Obama couldn't allow that because all he did was leak highly classified information about the Iranian nuclear program. And that's not a big deal. That's not like having 15 boxes of declassified information at Mar-a-Lago under the protection of the Secret Service. And the thing is, you would know this. If you just understood plus factors, plus factors, don't you get it? All the very smart and very edgy people on social media will be talking about plus factors. That will be the critical difference that you don't understand. If you did understand, you would get how that explains absolutely everything and why Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and all their people are not bad and why Trump is because he has all those plus factors. He was trying to conceal. He was lying the whole time. He was obstructing. Although none of the prior episodes is identical to what Trump allegedly did, the key challenge for Garland in making the high stakes decision about the former president is captured in another of the attorney general's favorite phrases. We treat like cases alike. You get that? So Garland is just someone who follows the evidence wherever it may lead, and he applies justice fairly, just like he always says he does. We're going to start with that. We're going to end with that. All the child brains will know Merrick Garland is on the right side of things. He's taking this decision very seriously. He's not going to rush to judgment. He understands the risks if he does the wrong thing, even though that risk doesn't actually exist. And he's only going to move forward 
if he knows it's right, if Trump is dead to rights, just like Trump has been dead to rights before, again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Ooh, Mueller's got Trump. Ooh, Donald Trump told the Russians to release Hillary's emails. He's colluding. Oh, Donald Trump. He was trying to do bad things in Ukraine. There was a quid pro quo, and he wasn't just investigating what Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were doing. Oh, we're just about to get him. Oh, the very deadly insurrection. We're going to impeach Donald Trump after he's not president anymore. And surely this time we're going to get him. They're all so serious. The walls are closing in once again. We have finally found the silver bullet to take down Donald Trump. And as soon as that happens, all his cult members are just going to go away and they're never going to care about America ever again. If you just take out Donald Trump, the whole thing will fall apart. So let's just get him again, just like the Mar-a-Lago raid, but bigger this time. It'll have an even bigger effect. And this time they're going to believe us, except it won't. And if they go down that road, the country will further turn on them because everybody understands that Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski are idiots and they're compromised and they're totally corrupt. They are facing the same existential crisis as all of these other figures around this situation are facing. If it goes the wrong way, if this stuff actually sees the light of day, what will happen then? Their whole system crumbles. Donald Trump, if he gets indicted, is just something we will handle and keep moving forward. Donald Trump, if he gets arrested, is just something we will handle and we will keep moving forward. But if anything goes wrong for them, the whole thing collapses, which is why they need to keep all those people in the middle, afraid of ever finding out the truth about any of this stuff. Just stay lazy. Stay distracted, stay confused, get your news from Instagram and Twitter, get your news from Apple news notifications, whatever you do, don't look at anything that we call a lie. Don't look at anything that we might call ultra MAGA or semi-fascist. And certainly don't look at anything that we might call QAnon. Cause if that happens, you are never going to be able to live a normal life ever again you would be nowhere without me now get back in the house and before i go to leave you on a note of confidence and patriotism and inspiration this is one of our greatest actors john voight delivering a message as himself john voight as he often does he's not singing imagine He's not saying, I take responsibility. He's actually just speaking as an American man and patriot. My fellow Americans, can we all speak truths so we can see the lie that was brought upon our President Trump? And the ones who once were on his side are now finding wrong with the documents. Can we see this lie? Did they ever attack Obama's home or Clinton's? And why not? because President Trump knows that the swamp are all lies and he once drowned them and they're all afraid you will see the truths. Wake up America, see this lie. And we must see this as similar to President Kennedy's files. My friends, the deceit will surely die for no man shall turn truths for their ego, for their unrighteousness. 
because our witness will surely condemn this war. The Third World War, yes, it's been turned into a war. But this force, this evil force against the American people will be wiped out by the power that once helped George Washington win the revolution for freedom. There is a God, and he, the Almighty, will answer our prayers for this nation to be strong and safe and loving for our future. This is the greatest country, the land of opportunity where one can be their greatest self. This is America. And my fellow Americans, I'm proud to be an American. And I know that we will be saved, that there is a plan, that the one president who had our true trust is President Donald Trump, and he will do it all over again with the prayers, the hope, the love, the trust of all the American people once again. May God watch over all and make this land great again. Much love. You gotta love that man. Be happy, be confident, be brave. In the end, we win. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!